Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to AOA. Thanks so much for joining us, letting us be part of your day. We do appreciate it. Hope you're having a good day, a safe one. Be careful. Busy harvest season underway. Today, we'll talk with Dan Hallstrom, President and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. We'll get his thoughts on the choice of a new chief ag negotiator for the U.S. Trade Representative's office and uh, how important that position is for working on markets around the world. We'll also talk with Arlen Suderman with StoneX. Uh, we'll talk markets, including not just uh, commodity markets, but outside markets and the impact of what's happening in China with this uh, land uh, uh, financial situation and how it's impacted our stock markets here in this country and how that has a spillover effect into just about everything in the economy. We'll talk about that with Arlen Suderman as, as well as get his thoughts on where we are with uh, the commodity markets into this harvest season. And Kurt Blades with the Association of Equipment Manufacturers will join us. We'll have the latest ag equipment sales numbers all coming up on today's program. But lots to watch in Washington, D.C. That's where we find Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. Jerry, thanks for joining us. What's the latest on the work on the uh, on the spending bills? Well, the latest I'd have to say is that we're still involved in a debate over stepped-up basis. That is the system under which uh, assets, including farmland, are valued at the time of death. And if somebody sells that, if the heir sells that land, you pay only on the difference between the value at that time and the sale price. Uh, the House bill uh, eliminated, or excuse me, uh, did not eliminate stepped-up basis, but it's still a debate in the Senate. I just spoke with Senator Daddy Stabenow, the chair of the Senate Ag Committee, who's also on the Finance Committee, and she said she's not sure whether the elimination of stepped-up basis is dead or not. So it's a battle in which the farm groups are still going to have to be involved. Wow, that's a huge issue. Uh, we've been saying all along we felt better after seeing what was going on in the House to protect stepped-up basis, but said it was fluid, it was not a done deal. So as you point out, there's still work to do. So that could still happen. What What's the latest on the estate tax? Is that... Uh, going to be changed in these bills, or is there uh, some protection in there, or what's what's being discussed? Uh, it's very hard to tell exactly what the uh, estate tax uh, situation is, because there's some, inc there's some increase in rates, but there's also uh, an, an increase in the uh, uh, in the in the size of the uh, estate that would not be covered. Uh, so uh, it's, I, I can't give you a clear answer on that right now. Uh, and, of course, we're still waiting to see what the Senate's going to do on this, uh, on these tax issues. Uh, uh, that's, kind of, uh, that's kind of quiet uh, right now. It uh, must be going on uh, behind the scenes. Uh, one thing that Senator Stabenow said is that the conservation program, the $28 billion more for conservation over 10 years, is done, um, and that it would be in the bill that, uh, uh, you know, eventually eventually comes out. And she's very pleased with it. She said that if you add that to some other programs, we're getting more for conservation than the $50 billion that she had requested uh, in the beginning of this debate. I want to go back to stepped-up basis for a moment. I don't think you and I have talked since Secretary Vilsack made the statement that keeping stepped-up basis does not protect farmers. It protects investors. This is just the opposite of the feeling of, of most ag groups in this country. What what did you think of that when uh, Vilsack came out and said that? Well, I certainly saw him uh, defending his own statements, and I the Biden administration may have been surprised that the House Democrats uh, didn't go for their proposal. Uh, and I, you know, when somebody takes a position publicly, they don't like to uh, back down on it. So that was uh, my reaction. Now, uh, everybody, including Senator Stabenow, say that they would 
you know, they don't want to hurt farmers and that there would there would be provisions in there so that most farmers would not be uh, affected by this. Um, but I think the position of the farm groups is, okay, if you do this, it's going to be a complicated situation in which we're going to have to hire lawyers and accountants uh, at, uh, to deal with this matter, and it'll be expensive one way or the other. The infrastructure bill, now that we thought there might be a vote Monday next week, but now there's talk it could be pushed back into October. What are you hearing there? Uh, yes, I'm hearing the same thing that you are, um, the, and, the, and the debate goes on. This is basically between the moderates, uh, who would like a vote as soon as possible on that bill, and the progressives who want to make sure that they get their $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill that includes the uh, uh, programs for education and uh, et cetera, uh, and also uh, higher taxes on, on rich people to, uh, to pay for it. Uh, so I'm hoping we'll see later in the week whether they're going to be able to move forward with this or how they're going to re- resolve it. Now, probably the biggest issue today is that there is word that, that in all of this, President Biden is going to have to step in as a negotiator. And he has done well at that in the past. So that's how all of this may be resolved with White House intervention and perhaps Biden personally getting involved in in cajoling senators and House members to reach agreement. Meanwhile, there's also the debt limit issue, and the House has taken some action there. Uh, Yes, um, they passed a bill uh, last night. Uh, but supposedly that bill is dead in the uh, Senate, uh, and I think it is a uh, it is an issue that the Democrats could deal with on their own. It's a little hard to tell right now whether it's just a lot of political theater in which uh, Democrats want to embarrass the Republicans, and the Republicans are hoping that by uh, saying that they won't go for a debt limit. Uh, uh, it's, they say it's not an increase but uh, in, in spending, but an increase in the borrowing ability. Uh, they're, they're hoping that their, their voters will uh, reward them for that. Um, uh, however, uh, it would be very unlikely that the U.S. would actually not be able to pay its debts. So I think this issue will be resolved one way or the other. I just don't know how quickly. A lot of moving parts, a lot more questions and answers still at this point, Jerry. Yes, we're in one of those periods where we're, you know, it's it's uh, it's a lot of a lot of movement, but no uh, no resolution. Uh, however, we are uh, uh, dealing with the fact that the fiscal year will end on September 30th, so there'll have to be action on some of these matters by that time. Yeah, some things you can only put off so long, and then eventually they'll have. there has to be some resolution. So we'll see what that is. Jerry, always good to talk with you. Thanks for the update. You're welcome. All right, take care. Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. All right, up next we're going to talk with Dan Hallstrom, President and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. His reaction to the nomination of Elaine Trevino to serve as the Chief Ag Negotiator for the Office of the U.S. Trade Representative and why it's so important to get positions like that filled. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Choose the proven performance of the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, featuring high-yielding Extend Flex soybeans and the exceptional weed control of Extend to Max herbicide with vapor grip technology. Elite genetics, triple herbicide tolerance, flexibility that delivers results, backed by 25 years of innovation. That's the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system of choice. Extend to Max is a restricted-use pesticide. Always follow stewardship practices, all pesticide label directions, and check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. 
Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of Bayer plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. DTN and Progressive Farmer bring producers the best content in agriculture. Each day our editors post unique content to our website, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day business decisions. DTN and Progressive Farmer provide insights throughout the year to questions like, what is the outlook for corn yields in 2021? Will feed prices surge? What about land prices? And what's today's weather forecast for my farm? For more intelligence like this, visit DTNPF.com. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor. Restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. President Biden recently announced the nomination of Elaine Trevino to serve as chief ag negotiator for the Office of the U.S. Trade Representative. Trevino is uh, currently president of the Almond Alliance of California and serves on USDA's Agricultural Policy Advisory Committee. Here to talk about uh, that particular nomination and the importance of that position is Dan Hallstrom, president and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Dan, thanks for joining us. Um, do you like this choice of Trevino to be in this position? Yeah, good morning, Mike. Uh, yes, very much so. Uh, <clears throat> Ms. Trevino comes in with a wealth of experience, um, and, and, you know, she's uh, been involved in this for quite a while. So I think that uh, the choice is not only a good one, but a timely one. And uh, I know uh, our industries are very much hoping for an expedited approval process because this cheap ag negotiator is a very, very key position for all of us. And let's talk about that. Why is that position so critical? Well, I think you, you can look over past administrations. Uh, there's been a lot of very good work done. And, and, and the USTR, the organization, is, is wonderful. I mean, uh, having worked with them closely over the years, uh, they've done a lot of good work behind the scenes that nobody ever knows about, or not many do. And uh, and this is how we not only obtain access to these export markets, but... but uh, we maintain it, and sometimes maintaining is tougher than obtaining, you know, uh, with, with all the uh, non-tariff trade issues that come up. So, you know, in our case, we're looking at uh, a lot of things that are kind of pending at the moment. Uh, you've got uh, negotiations that were started on new FTAs with Kenya and the U.K. from the previous administration. We're excited about those opportunities. But then we have a lot of issues in our current business I'll give you one good example that we've talked about, Mike, is the Japan Beef Safeguard that that was in, that uh, that sprung up last uh, March and April, and uh, will probably you know pop up again next year if we don't have it addressed. 
Uh, and I could go on and on. I mean, China phase one commitments, pork access in Vietnam and the Philippines. There's a lot of things out there that that uh, need attention and uh, will just help us maximize that value opportunity even more. I want to talk about uh, some of the market development work uh, that you have going on. We talk each month about the latest uh, export numbers and and thankfully they've been good even through this pandemic especially uh, in in light of the pandemic as we've often mentioned but uh, take us into some of these uh, key areas uh, that you are working in and can you give us any updates on progress being made yeah the the progress uh, continues i mean uh, you know you look at places like the philippines uh, very underdeveloped region with with uh, they have their own issues with animal health and uh, and the exports uh, have been booming for the world not just the US um, I've always contended that if you can uh, get the US on a level playing field that, that our product will speak for itself and uh, uh, you know we're at a disadvantage today going into China on pork and uh, you know to the tune of about 25 percent higher duty on u.s pork going into china than with the european pork for example so you know these are just uh i was going to say small examples they're not so small these are large examples of uh, imagine what the opportunity would be if we're on a level playing field and this is really what the USTR is all about they're, they're wanting to, to um, not only obtain access but they're wanting to uh to work to maintain a level, fair playing field, and uh, and it's just uh, so we couldn't be more excited about uh, the fact that uh, this uh, announcement was made about Ms. Trevino. We're talking with Dan Hallstrom, President and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Dan, uh, we're hearing these reports of uh, African swine fever showing up in more and more places. Um, how concerned are you about that? And and, of course, we watch closely the efforts uh, to keep it out of the U.S., which fortunately we have so far. But uh, every time we hear another report of it popping up somewhere, it makes us realize uh, what a threat this is. Without a doubt. It makes me extremely nervous. Um, and just for clarification, you're, you're, I think you're referring to the announcement here that Haiti now has yes. uh, some confirmed positives, which for those that might not know in your listening audience, uh, that's the same island as the Dominican Republic. So it's been rumored that it was in Haiti for, for quite a while, and, and now it's it's officially confirmed. But nevertheless, uh, that aside, it is very concerning that we have uh, positives in the Western Hemisphere relatively close to our southeast border of the United States. And uh, um, But that being said, uh, I, I can't tell you the number of meetings I've been a part of with the pork industry, this is number one priority uh, with the pork industry. Um, the, the level of awareness is extremely high. Uh, the level of awareness with Secretary of Ag Bill Sack, uh, Department of Homeland Security, I can go on and on. Uh, very, very uh, impressed with focus that this issue has brought. And, and not just recently, this has been going on for years. Um, but the flip side is that, you know, there's some things that are just uncontrollable. So, you know, we're doing the best we can to keep it out, but on a parallel track, uh, we're, we're going as an industry through the process of planning for the worst-case scenario in the hopes that we will never need it. Um, so I think the preparation factor as well is something that the industry is focused upon, uh, given a worst-case scenario. But, but like I said, very, very impressed uh, the amount of attention from the pork industry as a whole, from the U.S. government. It's been very, very impressive. Dan, something I don't think you and I have talked about. Uh, wanted to get your thoughts on this uh, growing interest, it seems, in, in cell and plant-based uh, meat products, uh, we hear about it, we, we see them more and more in our marketplace here. Uh, what do our foreign markets, our foreign customers think about those products? Are they wanting them? Are they not wanting them? Uh, what what interest level is there? Yeah, it's funny you bring that up, Mike, because we were on a, a monthly call with our Japan staff last night, uh, and, and this topic came up. And uh, you know, it, it's, I, I would paraphrase, it's different all over the world, but I would say in general, um, 
the interest and awareness of these products globally is quite a bit, with maybe the exception of Europe, is quite a bit behind that of the United States. However, the awareness is increasing quickly. Um, places like Korea, Japan, Mexico, etc. Um, so yeah, the uh, while the the market awareness and penetration may be well behind that of the United States, it's definitely becoming more and more of a topic. Um, now, what to what degree do they do they want these products? Um, it's a little difficult to say, but um, I, I would I think it's safe to say that. If we continue to do what we're doing, I'm talking about the U.S. Uh, beef and pork uh, industries, raising the high-quality products that we have today, safest in the world, uh, some of the best taste in the world, um, <clears throat> I think we will win. I mean, you can make the argument maybe there's space for everyone because uh, you're going to have generic population growth and economies around the world that are growing um, exponentially and also population bases that are growing. There's that. There's an argument out there that there's space for everybody, but uh, um, we're watching it very closely. We're taking it very seriously. But I think today their impact globally is is very small, but growing at a fast percentage rate might be the best way to to describe it. Mm. Uh, uh, certainly a, a story to watch. But as of right now, you're not having markets come to you and say we'd rather have cell-based or plant-based products. <laughs> No, no. The one area that is pretty strong in it is Europe, which probably doesn't come as a surprise. But yeah, as far as our core large markets around the world, the developed markets, uh, you know, I, I contend that given a level, given a level playing field, that uh, the U.S. quality and reputation will win. Um, so, yeah, I'm not too worried from that standpoint. However, it is something we've got to keep an eye on because the uh, share. Um, is growing obviously in the U.S. and in from a very low base growing uh, in some of these markets. So we need to keep an eye on it. All right, Dan, always good to talk with you. Thanks for the update. All right, Mike, thank you so much. Take care. Dan Hallstrom, President and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Well, up next, we're going to talk markets, not just uh, grain markets, but we're also going to talk just the general economy, the stock market, everything else, with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for StoneX. Uh, This week we have been reminded of the impact China has on our overall economy, this ever-grand situation in China that really, uh, in the last few days, uh, caused our stock market to take quite a hit, bouncing back uh, some now, but still it's been a huge issue. And it's a reminder of these types of things that uh, are always on the horizon that we have to be watching for. We'll talk about that with Arlen Suderman, plus talk about grain prices during this harvest season. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. On-road or off-road, you'll find the FS lubricant you need from our full line of premium quality products. At FS, our lubricants use the highest quality base oils and latest additive technology to meet and exceed most manufacturer specifications. Advanced protection against wear ensures you'll get maximum value from both your lubricant and equipment investments. Squeeze every bit of performance out of every piece of equipment you own. Let the FS energy specialists help you go further. Go further with FS. Visit GoFurtherWithFS.com for more information. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen with this market update. Well, stocks were upbeat overnight and continuing here today, riding a tide of optimism fed by reports that Evergrande will be making tomorrow's required interest payment. Now, China's Evergrande reportedly agreeing to make that required interest payment, easing concerns for now. As we see also, we have Federal Reserve uh, meetings going on, looking for a monetary policy statement from them as well here later today. That's another thing influencing the market. 
with the ag trade mostly higher here as we work through our early rounds on Wednesday. The primary question is Evergrande, the next black swan event to undermine the markets with the contagion outside of China. Only hindsight will answer that question. Now, also the broader commodity sector bouncing here this morning amid the easing of the global Evergrande concerns. End users stepping in to buy the break in the grain and oilseed sector along with some speculative bottom picking. Seasonal harvest pressure is upon us, though, with the Midwest forecast pretty open for the bulk of the next two weeks. Confidence is also growing that showers will increase over dry areas of Brazil once we turn the calendar to October, allowing for a relatively normal start to the planting season there. The bulls need to see U.S. export shipments increase, which they should over the next several weeks, but they also need to see evidence of lower U.S. yields. Let's take a look at some early numbers. December corn up three and three quarters, five twenty and three quarters. November soybeans up six at twelve eighty. Bean meal for October down sixty cents a ton, three thirty seven thirty. October bean oil up ninety eight points, fifty six thirty. December Chicago wheat nine and a half higher, six ninety nine at three quarters. December Kansas City wheat up nine and a half at seven dollars even. December spring wheat up six and three quarters, eight ninety four and a half. October lean hogs up thirty seven eighty four seventy five. Feeder cattle September down 30, 154.55. October live cattle up 62, 123.07. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach, and in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Always good to talk with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for StoneX. Arlen, thanks for joining us. Before we get to the commodity markets, let's talk about the uh, outside markets and what's been going on with the stock market recently, this Evergrande situation in China. Just a reminder for us that you, uh, an event like that in China has such a ripple effect through our economy, doesn't it? It really does. Uh, the, the question is, how much of a ripple effect does it have? Uh, Evergrande is the second largest property ownership com- company in China, and it's heavily in the hog industry as well. Um, so how does that, you know, how much outside money goes into that? You know, how much does it affect China's economy, et cetera? Uh, I got some good perspective from our man on the ground in Shanghai that I talk to regularly, and he says, you know, it was no secret in China they are heavily leveraged, and that's no secret for any type of property company in China. Now, property makes up, the property sector makes up 28% of China's economy, they say. Um, but he says in China, you have money has to flow somewhere, and uh, the stock market and the bond market are, have restrictions and, and uh, not well developed in China, so it tends to flow to the property markets. And so, This happens. Companies come up, they over leverage, they fail, and China moves on. Now, he acknowledges there's significant risk here involved, but we've seen this over and over again in China, and it doesn't mean that the Chinese economy is about to collapse. So China does what it needs to do. It's going to protect its. It's going to protect its economy. It's going to protect its sovereignty as a nation. I did see that of the 305 billion dollars that Evergrande owes, 20 billion of it is offshore. So that would suggest that there is some limit on how much it's in. You know, will impact companies, banks, etc. Outside of China, um, but overall, right now, it's got an agreement to make. 
tomorrow's payment and is working on next week's payment. So it's not a done deal, but it looks a little better right now than it did a few days ago, but there's still going to be questions about it, right? There will still be questions. I think the market feels a little bit more comfortable that China, the Communist Party of China is going to do what it takes to help Evergrande survive. It may be restructuring. The money may come in the back door, but it's going to do what it needs to do. Uh, and there's also a sense that Xi Jinping, current president of China, doesn't like a lot of the Western reforms that have been implemented over the past couple of decades. And this is a move toward taking over governments, more control again over many of the financial companies and, and businesses in China. And this is one way that that can happen. Um, and, and that would kind of make sense and kind of can fit more central government control. Uh, we'll have to see. But for now, it would appear that the markets have seen their fears calmed. And uh, it's less of a factor than we saw like on Monday where it was risk off on everything because nobody knew how it was going to impact anything. Uh, similar to some other risks we've had lately with the pandemic and things like that. Talking with Arlen Suderman with Stone X. All right, as we look at uh, our commodity markets and harvest results, early harvest results starting to come in, what are the markets focused on? Are they looking to see whether um, this crop is as big as projected or bigger or smaller than projected? I mean, are they focused on that or, or something else? Yeah, they are. The problem is getting hard data that they trust right now is difficult. The combines are starting to roll. We're very early in the harvest. Anecdotal reports are always out there, and like any other year, you can find the anecdotal reports that fit your bias. Um, but we need to get a little bit more deeper into the harvest. Of course, USDA is going to be sampling fields starting in the next week or so, pulling samples, weighing samples. That'll give us a better feel in that October uh, crop report coming out on the 12th of October of crop size. The question is, will it be larger or smaller than the September report? Used to always be whatever trend was set from August to September, that trend you expect into October. I don't think we can do that anymore because we've changed how we do the August report. So for consistency purposes, September is a new game. Now we're watching to see how we change the trend from September September to October, and that, that's going to be the key. We're seeing a lot of tar spot, and it's not just tar spot, it's a lot of different diseases involved really from southeast Iowa to the east across the eastern Midwest that took the, the late gravy off the off the potatoes, so to speak, or whatever analogy you want to look, took to top off the yields in the eastern Midwest. That's really where we were looking to to kind of make up for the lost bushels in the west where drought was such a problem this year. It looks like we're still going to have good crops, but not quite the size that we originally did. We just have to get deeper into this to see how widespread some of the disease losses were. What are you seeing with basis levels through the country? That, again, is somewhat of a reflection of where you're at, what the yield prospects are in your area, as well as are you on the river market, are you with the processor market. Um, you have things like in the Pacific Northwest where, there's, where the rail is trying to pull bushels to the PNW and having to fight with processors to do it. Uh, you had a lot of volatility along the river markets where initially no barges come to NOLA. Now they want as many barges, particularly as soybeans, as they can. So it really depends on where you're located and what the crop prospects are. And we're places where the yields are looking really good and there's not as many people battling. We're seeing that harvest weakness. And nationally, from a national standpoint, we're generally still seeing harvest type of weakness. But we do have some locations where we're seeing it pop and seeing some of that strength as they battle over those early supplies. Any potential black swans? We've kind of seen this Evergrande situation uh, remind us of the possibility of black swans. What are you thinking? 
Yeah, and by definition, a black swan is something you don't anticipate or can't anticipate, but we all try to anticipate them. And Evergrande is one of those potentials, certainly going forward. Obviously, we've been saying the pandemic is, continues to be a potential black swan. Uh, and I really think relations with China and even Taiwan are a key. We had the big agreement with uh, the U.K. and with Australia to put nuclear submarines based out of Australia uh, is a key factor right now. That was in response to China increasing some of their aggressiveness around Taiwan. We tend to see Taiwan being downplayed as a potential black swan because, well, nothing's happened so far, so nothing will happen in the future. But China has made it clear, and, and Xi Jinping has made it clear in his statements, that he fully intends to take over Taiwan at some point in one way or the other. And they've certainly been doing a lot to try to strengthen their military risk or threat to Taiwan, and, and we know that. And that has stepped up since we gave away Afghanistan. Those risks for Taiwan have increased as well. So that's something we're watching because so far, with all the tensions between the United States and China, trade has continued. Taiwan might be one of those issues that might challenge that trade if China were to make a move on Taiwan. The risk may be relatively small, but if it does happen, it would be pr pretty significant consequences would be the expectation. Where are we right now with our sales to China, and what do you make of their buying patterns? Well, Chinese buyers complain to us all the time about high ocean freight rates, which right now are about three times what they were early this year and on, are on their way up once again. So they're only buying what they need at this point. They need soybeans. They're buying them hand to mouth. We are seeing large crush margins there, uh, close to $2.5 per bushel. So they have incentive to buy. Our problem now is getting all the terminals open at the ports of New Orleans and moving as many bushels as we can before the door closes early next year by cheaper Brazilian supplies. I do think once we get into the first quarter of next year, we'll see co demand for corn going into China return. But I think the fourth quarter is going to be pretty slow on corn demand into China uh, because they've got this year's harvest. The optics are bad if they're importing corn. At the same time, they're harvesting domestic corn. Um, so I think it's going to be a focus on uh, grain sorghum near term corn as we get into the first quarter of next year. And what are your people in South America telling you about conditions there for planting? The odds are improving. It looks like that the rains are going to return to Brazil in early October. So that means that right now soybean planting right now looks to be fairly normal this year. And so the farmers are very optimistic with prices as high as they are, currency exchange rates favoring them, that they're going to have a very profitable year on larger acreage, almost a 4% increase in acreage on soybeans. Uh, and so it looks everything looks to be getting off to a good start. But we have to watch the formation of La Nina that tends to give dryness to Argentina and southern Brazil and through the growing season and right now that's what the longer term maps for their summer months are showing dryness in Argentina and southern Brazil. Real quick, 4% increase in acreage. When they expand they bring some of that land into production. That first year, are those yields usually lower? Yeah. Yeah, they're they're usually lower in that first year. It takes a couple of years to break it in. That's usually rangeland being brought in, um, and then those uh, yields come up over the years that follow. Yep. All right. Always good to talk with you, Arlen. Thanks for the report. Thank you, Mike. Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for Stone X. Uh, interesting perspective on this Evergrande uh, situation and potential further issues uh, coming with, with China and that could be a big impact on our markets. All right, up next, we've got the latest ag equipment sales numbers from Kurt Blades with the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. Now that we're into the harvest season, how are uh, equipment dealers out there dealing with uh, not only equipment, new and used, but parts and service? All those issues we'll talk about next on AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. 
Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed. And they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. When you choose the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, you're putting proven yield advantage to work in your fields. Extend Flex soybeans offer elite genetics built on the proven performance of Roundup Ready to Extend soybeans. In fact, farmers saw a four bushel per acre advantage and a 70% average win rate over Enlist E3 soybeans in 2020 germplasm trials. The Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system of choice. Always follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of Bayer plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Each and every day, DTN and Progressive Farmer editors are posting unique, original content to their website at DTNPF.com, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day business decisions. Their award-winning newsroom covers markets, news, and weather, while also providing insights on crops, cattle, equipment technology, and more. You'll find innovative topics like, would you plant soybeans in December? Experiments look at the possibility of boosting yields with early planting. Want to save time? Learn how through autonomous machinery systems. Will there be a surge in feed prices in 2021? And what's today's weather forecast for my farm? The editors of DTN and Progressive Farmer are committed to delivering the essential intelligence farmers need every day to help your farm business be more efficient and profitable. Visit DTNPF.com today. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, where we take a close look at the benefits of cooperative ownership. Every week, we'll host a new guest and discuss how you can get the most from working with your local cooperative. And we'll learn why farmers and ranchers just like you choose cooperatives to help them persevere and prosper. So be sure to tune in each Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more.
Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, we're joined now by Kurt Blades from the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. We want to get the latest ag equipment sales numbers. Kurt, good to talk with you. Um, what's the latest? What are the numbers looking like? Well, I'll tell you what, Mike. We continue to see some uh, some positive stories in the ag equipment sales market. And this month, when we look at August specifically, we're seeing some real strength in that over 100 horsepower, those larger uh, larger tractors are actually coming on pretty strong this this month. That is the category that has kind of been slower than the other categories. So that that's a pretty big statement to see that when that category is starting to improve. A- absolutely, absolutely. As as you know, as we've been talking about for the last you know year and a half, is that the uh, you know the under forty market has been great. Now, you know, those contact utility factors, those have been great. Uh, and and they're still you know still great. I mean uh, for the year we're up we're up 11 percent. But boy, when we see strength in the uh, in the chore tractors at 40 to 100, and those 100 plus tractors and even articulated four wheel drives seeing you know increases uh, you know 30 percent for the month of August and uh, 30 and 40 percent in the month of August. Well, that that tells you that farmers are feeling pretty positive out there about uh, about what the future is going to look like for their businesses. So when you compare year over year, we think back a year ago we, when uh, we were in the throes of the pandemic, and even though it's still going on, it's uh, certainly different now than it was a year ago. So how do these numbers compare to, say, two years ago? So if you look back two years ago, because you know, remember you know, last year in August, we were starting to, you know, that's when we started to see some, some strength happening in, in big row crop tractors. We had already enjoyed that strength in the uh, in the compact utility tractors. So a year ago, numbers were were solid. Uh, two years ago, uh, we were we were a little soft. So you know, I think you do have to, you know, when you look at the the overall trends, it's important to kind of take a longer view. Uh, what I actually think is is the most relevant to take a look at is the five year trend, and we are you know, August is significantly above five year trend cider trend and that's that's what you know gives you a lot of uh, a lot of hope and it's also pretty good news for uh, for manufacturers and and frankly pretty reflective of the positive sentiment for the ag economy in general yeah good perspective and uh, yeah take the bigger picture there and in looking back now here's the next issue that we're facing now yeah we have higher prices and farmers seem willing to invest in equipment but the question is, can they get that equipment, or how long will it take for them to get it? These supply chain issues are, are very big problems still. These supply chain issues are real, and it's real in every category. Obviously, we're talking about machinery, but if you're talking about you know, furniture or washing machines, mm-hmm. they're very real. In fact, I've, I've, uh, I'm calling from D.C. today, and we've been on the, on the Hill talking to, to members uh, about uh, a couple of different things, but one thing that becomes very clear when 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 uh, when interacting with with anybody, whether it's a legislator or a, or a member of AEM, um, man, these are real, and these these supply issues are real, and they are they are affecting sales. So you know, when do farmers when can they expect to get delivery? I mean, I think it kind of depends on the piece of equipment. I think what we're learning is that uh, you know farmers got you know er, order a little earlier and maybe plan ahead. Differently than they than they had intended, but I'd also say that the manufacturers recognize the seasonality of the farm business and go out of their way to make sure that those wear, wear parts are available for uh, for harvest that we're getting ready to come up onto, and make sure that you know we can deliver as many combines as we can before harvest and and try to get tractors delivered you know in time for tillage ha- tillage to happen. So I think you know I guess my 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 statement is you know got to be patient out there. But I think we're all trying to trying to navigate this supply chain together. Yeah, parts are a huge issue right now as we're into the harvest season. So, what is the biggest okay. issue on the supply chain? Is it labor? Well, it's funny. Uh, it is labor related. I mean, if we 
didn't have the supply chain issues, the labor problems would be even stronger. So it is ultimately boils down to labor because you may have suppliers, you know, in different areas that are not able to get labor and operate at full capacity, or it could be the ports uh, that are, you know, some of them are are having some some challenges. Again, also labor related. Uh, it could be, you know, again, we're still trying to work through some of the issues that, you know, manifested themselves, you know, a year ago. Still trying to work through some of those some of those supply chain issues that, you know, when 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 factories were shut down in different parts of the world. Uh, and then transportation is 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 real, uh, whether it's transportation roads road road and surface transportation here in the United States, um, or if it's sea transportation or it's cargo cargo ships coming from uh, you know stuck in China or wherever. Um, transportation is a, is a big big part of it as well. Any indication from what you're hearing in Washington D.C. Uh, any action going to be taken to address this? Well, the the best action, unfortunately, to solve the supply chain challenges, is is time. Um, you know, I think there are there are a lot of people that are taking a look at you know, what levers can we can we pull? Can we pull some levers at the you know at the ports to make to free up some of the transportation? Are there some regulations that can be taken a look at to see if if they can be relaxed to uh, to allow more people to 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 move some things? So I think those things are being looked at. But you know it's kind of limited how many levers you can play on this. And honestly, the best the best thing, you know, the only solution is just to kind of wait a little bit uh, and sort of let the let the challenges work themselves out. Let the let the supply catch up to the demand. Hmm. So the positive news: farmers uh, more willing to buy equipment. The the negative news: they just can't always get a hold of it. Right? They're gonna have to wait for it. Can't. Can't always get with, uh, hold of it, or certainly can't get a hold of it in the the time frames that they may be used to in the past. So I think the you know, the advice we give everyone is that if you're thinking about your equipment purchases for next year, next spring, and certainly even harvesting for next fall, you know, begin to have those conversations now, um, because you know the, the more we can plan ahead, the more we you know better chances of uh, of that delivery happening. All right, Kurt. Always good to talk with you. Thank you. you bet. Thanks so much, Mike. Yeah, we'll check in next month. Kurt Blades with the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. That wraps it up for today. Thank you for joining us and hope you'll tune in again tomorrow right here on AOA. Stay safe, everyone. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. When you choose the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, you're putting proven yield advantage to work in your fields. Extend Flex soybeans offer elite genetics built on the proven performance of Roundup Ready to Extend soybeans. In fact, farmers saw a four bushel per acre advantage and a 70% average win rate over Enlist E3 soybeans in 2020 germplasm trials. The Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system of choice. Always follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of Bayer plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions.